Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have a super special guest, a dear friend, Paola Ricardo. Paola showed up at my studio about 10 years ago. We always joke that we were brought together by Google. She had Googled... um, a teacher training and was really resonating with what I had to offer being a physical therapist. And she came and did my training and we have been close ever since. And I have witnessed her growth, her return to getting her doctorate in psychology. And she now is offering classes on the lit daily with specific focuses. So we talk about that today and how it can help you. We talk about her series of really showing up and going through these kind of Buddhist principles to help you feel better, move better, and live better in life. So please enjoy my discussion with beautiful Paola. Welcome, my dear friend, Paola. So happy to have you on here today. Thank you, Laura. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, people might not know you yet. But you are not only a certified lit teacher for many years, but you're also a doctorate in psychology. And this is a recent, a recent accomplishment of yours. And we decided, or we invited you, and you accepted, thank goodness, to create a series, a mini series, um, hopefully upcoming on the platform, but you currently have one called Stay the Course. And I really think that 
this idea of staying the course is always relevant, but especially after this last few years where so many people have been veered off course by the climate of the world, the pandemic. And can you first talk about how you came up with that name and what was your thought process on what you wanted to offer for people? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So I really wanted to base this um, series on the type of uh, psychology that I specialize on, which is known as acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, It is a kind of therapy that uses really some Buddhist um, uh, components, I would say, and uses Buddhist uh, background. And I feel like it's such a wonderful um, theory to use and really share through lit. Um, because many of the components actually remind me of what we practice in lit, right? Which is stability, mobility, and adaptability, right? So I took uh, these components, which are six of them. I'll kind of briefly share them with you. One of them is acceptance. The next one is presence, uh, values, committed action, which is um, this idea of doing the things that can be hard at times and doing them anyway, despite the fact that they can be hard. Um, Diffusion, which is reminding that our thoughts sometimes are just that, our thoughts, right? They don't necessarily have to lead the way we live our life. Um, And then the last one is self as context, which is the ability to really have different um, perspectives about ourselves, right? Because again, once we see ourselves as a a specific uh, kind of person, we may miss out on the things, uh, the other things that we can be as well. So that's really where this course came from. And I really think that yoga has such a beautiful way of allowing us to embody certain processes that I um, took each class and made it the theme, right? So we have the acceptance theme in which we slow down, we really pay attention to what's happening in our body, what's happening in our minds, right? Because often what's happening in our minds and the yoga mat has a way of showing up in life as well. Um, and when it came to the presence class, we did the same thing, right? We really learned how to be present in the body, how to pay attention to moving slowly um, and intentionally, um, we clarified our values as well. So we made some time, but I should add that in the class, I do share mindfulness uh, practices so that we can slow down and really pay attention to what's happening for us and to explore. Well, let me, we let me ask you right well. now, because I'm sure people, some people know, but mindfulness is a word that is uh, so common now that I don't even know if people really understand what exactly it means. How would you define mindfulness? So I would define mindfulness as really being present with what's coming up for us, right? Um, Observing our experience from a non-judgmental stance, right? And non-judgmental can be, you know, positive judgment, right? Or a negative judgment as well. Really mindfulness is paying attention to what's unfolding in front of us and observing it. I would really add that as a word in there, really observing it without having to become the situation, right? So could it be actually that you're starting to think about, oh my gosh, next week I have this going on. Some would say that's not being in the present, but it's just being aware. It's really just being aware that you're already thinking about something in the future and there's nothing wrong with that. But is that more of a tendency and sometimes just 
practicing mindfulness is literally just trying to tune in to what is happening at that moment in the body, in the breath, the touch of the floor. It can be very simple techniques for bringing you into that state of mindfulness in that present moment. And what are some techniques that you would offer? I'm sure you offer it in the class, but just for anyone listening, if they wanted to be more mindful or start to practice mindfulness techniques in their daily life. Yeah. So one of them is that what you just mentioned, right? Like really noticing our thoughts. That is such an important one, right? Um, When we notice the quality of our thoughts, we realize what is happening for us, right? How we may be judging ourselves, how we may be judging others. And we can explore what those thoughts can actually be about, right? So observing our thoughts, that, that can be one of them, which helps us notice that sometimes our thoughts are just that, our thoughts. Uh, we mentioned really being present in the body. I think that that one is a really one, really wonderful one. There is a very simple practice that we can do at any point in the day, which is to observe five things in the room. Often you'll find that there are new things that you hadn't seen before. So observing five things in the room, maybe listening for four things that may be in uh, your immediate area, smelling something, really tasting your food mindful eating. That's a wonderful way of practicing mindfulness and just touching something that's around you. Right. Um, I think just the, to me, the simplest way of explaining mindfulness is to get out of our minds and into our body. Mm, I love that. And that brings us back to your classes because again, I think so many of these, um, Buddhist principles and practices and techniques, um, along with the psychologist kind of underlying is that it is through our body, through this beautiful vehicle that carries us through life, that houses our spirit and our soul and, and all of the inner workings. It's through that that we can kind of retrain our mind, our thoughts. And um, so I, I just, I love that we have this on there. So go ahead. You were on the second class, which was the mindfulness Right. So we have uh, the presence practice, which again, we just slow down, really pay attention to how we're moving. Then we have a values practice where we clarify a situation. We really think about a situation that is in our mind. And from there, we clarify how we want to show up to the situation. Right. Um, I think what happens for some of us sometimes is that we may not necessarily have the words of how we want to show up to a situation. But often we can actually clarify clarify how we want to feel, right? And that can come through the body as well, right? And so we really make space to clarify how you want to feel in this situation, how you want to show up to it. I think that's the best way to explain it, right? How do we want to show up to something? Um, We also have committed action, which is making a small commitment to show up to that situation that we're hoping to address. And through the class, we embody what it's like to be committed to a situation, right? So we really use this classes as a metaphor for the process that we are trying to cultivate that thing. Um, When it comes to the fusion, we really notice, again, the thoughts that come up as we practice um, our yoga practice, right? I know I could be that person who has the thoughts of I'm not strong enough today, or maybe I don't want to do as long a practice. So I really want to be present with those thoughts so that I can really explore what those are about. 
And I think that part is very important. And again, selfless contact, as, as I mentioned before, so we're really expanding the way in which we see ourselves. One of the things that I really love about lit yoga is that yoga can look how it feels good in the body, not how, you know, we have always thought that it's supposed to look. And so in this class, we expand our repertoire that we expect, we expand the way in which we're moving. The main thing for this course is to really embody those processes and how we want to bring them off of the mat. What are some steps that people can do when they don't even feel like they can practice yoga? We know that there's so many people out there, many that might be, um, we just did a recent kind of, or my, one of my, um, customer acquisition specialist did a deep dive into the analytics in in the world, really, but in specifically like in the United States. And it was like, there's 85% of people who describe themselves as aspiring yogis, meaning they would like to do it, but they aren't. And I think a big barrier is what you just briefly mentioned is what we think it is supposed to be or supposed to look like. And, and, a lot of people drop right out thinking, I, I can't do this. I'm, a, I'm inflexible. I'm not strong enough. I'll never be able to look like that. And what are some ways of, for those people to start thinking about yoga and thinking about themselves practicing yoga to be more accepting of the you know, entry into this beautiful movement practice that really does bring you home to yourself? Yeah. So I would say one of them is the mystifying yoga, right? Uh, really realizing that yoga is about paying attention to the way you're moving, to the way your breath feels in the body, and to really make space to be curious about it, right? I think like any change, it is once we become curious about it and show up, right? Show up to the yoga mat, um, that we can figure out what's the best kind of yoga for us, how it feels for us, how we want to practice yoga. I think that part is um, actually very important. And my work in psychology, I've, I've actually uh, turned some people into yogis. And I have to say, it's, it's the least likely people that I've seen uh, come to their yoga mat, right? And so if starting with cherry yoga is something that feels right to you, you know, try it. And the way I like to finish my classes is, to pay attention to four things, right? Notice how it feels in your body. Notice how it feels in your mind. Notice how it feels in your breath. And notice how it feels on your spirit. I think that whether we're practicing cherry yoga or we're, whether we're doing an intense, you know, 75-minute class, by the time we end, if we check in with those four parts of ourselves, we realize that there's something really great here. Um So I would encourage the person to, again, just try something that feels right to you, right? It could be cherry yoga. It could be a 10-minute class. It could be something quite small. And then at the end, notice how it feels for you. Um, This is really important because that, that ending moment is where you can seal in this new pathway of thought, which is, I want more of that. You know, I want more of that. And that is, I love that. I think it's really, there's, this is where I think yoga is different from a lot of other things. It's not that you don't intuitively think after a run, wow, that felt so amazing. I really cleared out some stuff. I think we, that happens. This is, it's different. It's not better or worse, but I think it's 
more effective at purposefully tuning you in to the sensations that you're feeling, noticing the difference in, like you said, that your thoughts and the and the way it feels that it's not about a look. It's not about, I can't even, you know, bend over and touch my knees, much less the floor. It's about how different am I 10, 20, 30 minutes later than I was when I started? And almost always the answer is better, be better, more, more in harmony, more in balance. And that's something that we have to strive for in every aspect of our life, knowing there's no getting there. There's no finish line. This is part of life, this, this trying to balance. And some people obviously have a lot more to, to balance, a lot more to unpack. So can you talk a little bit about how the mental stress that people are feeling, how yoga can help them sort through, sift through some of that and release it? Yeah, of course. So one of the wonderful things about yoga, and I think another thing that sets it apart from other practices is its way of impacting the nervous system, the way we move, the way we breathe is going to allow us to activate that, you know, we, we, we've heard a lot of talk about the vagus nerve, right? It is the most wonderful practice to activate this nerve that can help us connect to other people. And that can also help us learn how to rest and digest, right? And I think sometimes one of the things that I think is missing for psych- from psychology is really having this piece where we're connecting to our bodies as well. And so Sometimes I think that for people who are necessarily, for example, to talk about the things that are happening in their life, beginning with a yoga practice where they can go and really fine tune the nervous system can be a really wonderful way to maybe eventually go uh, and see a psychologist or just starting to really, as you mentioned before, come home to themselves, right? Get out of this. I mean, I think the reality of our culture is that we live in an autopilot the majority of the day and yoga slows us down enough to get out of that autopilot and to attend to the things that matter most. This is where I think yoga can really get us out of autopilot, right? It allows us to slow down enough to notice what's happening in our bodies. And then we notice what's happening in our minds as well. And then what I think it does is that it helps us make more value decisions, right? Because now we're noticing how different parts parts of life are actually impacting us. And we can move in ways that are more valued for us. Yeah. And that's bringing in the philosophical tenets, you know, of yoga as well, which is really, mm-hmm. you know, the attempt to be truthful and be non-harming and non, you know, kind to yourself and to all beings and to, you know, not steal attention or not steal time or not steal it from yourself, you know. And so I think that there is... Yeah, there's very few practices that really pull you in and hone you into that present moment to feel, to feel. I think, like you said, when people are on autopilot, they almost stuff down the feelings, which can, you know, might work for us as adults, but also, or they mismanage feelings. And so can you talk a little bit about the difference between what you were saying were thoughts versus like perceptions? Yeah. So I think one of the things that we really want to pay attention to is realizing that our thoughts can be just that, right? They're thoughts, right? They're something that we can observe and we can 
have a way of putting it down, right? Um, but also realizing that emotions, right? These are the things that are in our body that we can have a way of processing them, of making space for them so that they can actually inform us um, as to what's happening for us, right? So um, for myself, I'll use myself as an example. I worked, I worked mental, in mental health at this point for about 10 years before starting graduate school, even though I was working in mental health, doing some of the work that I wanted to do, there was a way in which I felt very stagnant, right? I wasn't as happy going into my job. I wasn't as fulfilled going there. Um, at this time, I was doing uh, our yoga teacher training. And so I noticed that I would I made myself like the wellness ambassador and started to bring yoga there. And to me, the fact that I wasn't as happy and that I was trying to bring this other aspects of, of my interests into work meant that I needed a change, right? So I listened to that. I didn't ignore that part of my experience because if I did, I wouldn't be where I am today, right? And so really listening to our experience and what comes up for us, I think can be very important, getting out of autopilot and making the space to figure out why that's coming up. Mm. For me, it was because I had been at this job for four years. I learned everything that I could and I had known that I wanted to be a psychologist. So it was my mind and my body saying, hey, I think you're ready for what's next. So yeah. And this can happen at any age. And it can be a profession. Right. It can also be an idea of yourself that that was imposed upon you. You know, you're the you're the one that's good at math, but really you're an artist who wants to be drawing. But you, you've gone down this path because your parents told you this or whatever, and and it's just not what's singing in your heart. And so it could be a profession, but it could also be an idea of yourself, and that sometimes leads you into profession or leads you into a certain you know, pathway um, that you you realize and recognize isn't really resonating, whether it's the type of people you hang out with or the way you're spending your time. I think we all, if we pause and reflect, it does give us an opportunity to see like, is this in alignment with my real values, with my real calling and my spirit? And again, I think, you know, yoga just, get, I, I've seen that over the, you know, 27 years, I've seen people have all kinds of epiphanies. Some are like really disruptive, uh, but ultimately great. And some are, um, you know, just a kind of an add on like what yours was more kind of an augmentation of what you were doing. You were on the path, but you just wanted more from it. So for people to take this class, they'll take it in the order. Is there any other thing they should do? Is there any kind of journaling or um, meditation or anything they should add on to this to really let it seep in? Yeah, of course. So I did want to add that they don't have to take it uh, in order, right? With the way I've made it is so that if you're noticing that you're needing one of those uh, six processes that day in your life, you could go ahead and take the class. We do journaling. I do offer it. If, if it feels right to the person, we make some space for that. Especially I am someone, I have to say, who just has a notebook right next to me when I'm practicing because for me, a lot comes up uh, when I'm practicing yoga. So yeah, if journaling is something that feels right to you, I definitely encourage you to have a journal with you. I, as I mentioned, uh, because I do practice journaling, I have ways in which I've gone back to sort some of the workshops that we've done and I could see who I was then and who I am now. And I think there's just like such beauty in being able to reflect um, 
how far we've come or where we are and to just really meet ourselves where we are at this moment in time. I think I agree. I, you know, I remember taking a workshop, I think it was with Sean Korn and it was like 18 years ago. And she had us write a letter to someone that was difficult. And I would never have ever made that kind of choice in my journaling. And I did it. And I remember the just so vividly as I wrote it, I literally felt like lighter. It was about my mother-in-law who, bless her heart, she's now passed. And she was definitely challenging. And But we found our kind of way back to each other in a way. And, and our last you know, 10 years together were really wonderful. But at that time, I had young children and she was challenging. I'm sure a lot of people can um, relate to that. And I remember going back, you know, five, 10 years later, I have it in my all my notebooks and and looking at it. And there's something really lovely about that because it can also symbolize a really pivotal moment, you know, that you don't even think just writing something down could be so, uh, so impactful, but it is. So it's great to have as comparison, but it's also great to like revisit and be like, yeah, I remember that day and that changed the way I, my outlook, because that's what it actually did. I looked at it like she's difficult, but here's why. And here's how I don't have to let it, you know, impact me. Um, so I love that idea. Well, everyone needs to go take your classes. I'm so grateful we have that on the lit platform. I really do feel like it's a mind, body, spirit booster in, in all the ways. And we had, and you're developing another one. Can you give us a little teaser and we'll have you back to talk about that? Yes. The next one that we have coming is actually the better sleep series where we use cognitive behavioral techniques that can help us prepare for our sleep. Uh, many of us anxiety, whatever uh, difficulties you're dealing with can really have a way in which they impact our sleep. So we really practice. So we have four classes and each one of them visits a different part of your experience, right? Especially because not all of us deal with the same difficulty. So for some of us, we really want to activate that parasympathetic response. So we have a class for that. We also have a class where we do problem solving before bedtime, which has been shown to actually be really helpful uh, since you're not going to bed with you know, your to-do list in your head, right? Uh, we also have another class where we actually sit down and to do our to-do list for the next day. Uh, just using uh, evidence-based uh, practices that have been shown to actually improve our sleep and add that with some movement and really practices that activate the parasympathetic response too. I love to that. Sleep, hopefully. Yeah, to everybody, parasympathetic response. Again, if you haven't yet heard about it, it's a good thing. We all need it. It's the it's the balancing, it's the it's the yin to our yang of our sympathetic nervous system, which we need as well, but is really on overdrive for so many people in modern day life. Parasympathetic allows us to rest and digest and feel calm. And we certainly need that. So thank you so much for your gifts and for your just lovely presence. I'm so grateful to have you. Well, thank you so much. All right, everybody. Check out, yes, of course. Check out Paola's class on the Lit Daily. We'll have a link in the show notes. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Mm-hmm.